series on partnering with God. Last week we talked about the attributes of God, and I got to be honest with you, as a pastor and as a communicator, there's times where we want to give people the good parts about partnering with God. We want you to line up and sign up with God because he has all power, that all he has to do is speak the word and it'll be done. That he has authority. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And we want to try in some ways to convince you to join with him. But there's another side to the story of partnering with God. Partnering with God is just not all about the blessings and the power. Partnering with God involves another side. Last week we were talking about, from Daniel, we talked about how those who know their God will be strong and do mighty exploits. That verse is tucked in with some other verses there. And Daniel, this is just a little bit of background, so bear with us. And Daniel eleven thirty three, we all get excited when we think about those who know their God will be strong and do mighty exploits. What makes us a little bit nervous is whenever we read the rest of the verses that surround it. And Daniel was speaking prophetically of a time that was to come, and he was speaking to Israel. Commentators would say that this time that he wrote about took place in about 167 B.C. Antiochus, Epiphanes, invaded Jerusalem. A little bit of background there. Part of what they did, they invaded it the first time. They carried off the, a lot of the wealth. They come back through a second time and they invade. This time when they come in, they destroy men and women. They just utterly wipe people out. They carry the women and the children off as slaves. They did other things such as trying to exterminate Judaism. They forbid the people from participating in their religious practices such as the annual feast. They forbid things such as circumcision. They commanded that copies of the law be burned. And then to the ultimate disrespect, they brought a pig in. And they offered a pig as a sacrifice on the altar. And then they made them, they forced them every month to offer a pig as a sacrifice. That's not found in scripture, that's found in history. It tells us what took place in history. The reality of it is this. If you go into partnership with God, he doesn't write it in the fine print like the truth to lending articles do. They offer you this really great stuff. Jesus offers it from the very get-go. That if you partner with him, you're going to experience times of suffering with him. I know that our prosperity gospel here in the United States wants to focus only upon the glory. And there is a glory that comes. And I believe with all my heart that when you obey God's principles... That when you do things God's way, he has a way of blessing you and strengthening you and providing for you and healing you and doing all of these glorious things. Otherwise, his word is not true. He has a way of doing that. But there's also aspects that when you walk with God, there's going to be times in your life in which you are going to be called for a season to suffer with him. In America, we know little about suffering compared to other nations. We think it's suffering whenever our third car doesn't run. You know, oh, Lord, you know, would you just, could we just have some prayer, a little intercession? Could you get the intercessors together? My third Volvo won't start. I just don't know what I'm going to do. When the fifth bathroom in our house, the plumbing's kind of messed up a little bit, and we have to call the plumber in. They just feel like the devil's coming against you. Friends, there are godly men and women around the world who love Jesus with everything that they have in their heart. 
who can't even give their children clean water to drink. There's godly men and women around the world who, because they choose to follow Jesus, their properties are seized. They are not allowed to have good jobs. There's godly men and women around the world who have, throughout centuries and centuries, have given their lives for the cause of Christ. So in America, I, you, you know, to be honest with you, we don't know a lot about suffering. I don't mean to be offensive to you, but when you compare our suffering to the suffering of godly men and women around the world, followers of Jesus, our suffering pales in comparison. As Christians, I think it's important that we should know something about the sufferings for Christ. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. He says this, If the world hates you, we talk about the world, we're talking about the systems of this world, the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of this world, the prince and the powers of this world that control it. If the world hates you and those who are under this world's systems control, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. So it talks about that part of the sufferings that believers are going to experience is this hatred by the world, this persecution that comes from the world. There's another type of suffering that believers are going to experience, and 1 Peter writes about this, and it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. The first quick point we want to point out to you is this, that Jesus suffered for us. He set an example for us. Oftentimes we want to look past that, but Jesus suffered on our behalf. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the Spirit. And then Jesus left us an example for us in suffering. 1 Peter 2.21 To this you were called. Do you hear that? To this you were called, but Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The first thing is we recognize that Jesus suffered for us. The second thing we want to recognize is this. We want to look at is, Are you willing to suffer with Christ? Everybody wants to be on the team. Everybody wants to be on the team when they're winning. Everybody wants to jump on board when things are going great. But are you willing to suffer with him during the difficult times? 
But what things were gained to me, Paul said, these I have counted a loss for Christ. The first one I want to ask you is this. Are you willing to suffer being lied about? Are you willing to suffer being lied about? Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You do realize this, that if you determine in your heart that you're going to follow God, oftentimes even people who are close to us, our friends, will ridicule us. Show me a young man or a young woman who sets their heart to do things God's way. Show me a man or a woman in the church who just determined in their heart, I'm going to follow God with everything that's within me. And I assure you that they will be ridiculed by their friends. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3 says this, For you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join in with them in their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse on you. If a young person sets their hearts on living for the Lord, they're going to face huge opposition. The opposition does not just come from the enemy. The opposition will often come from people, well-meaning people around them. Oftentimes, it comes from carnal people who are in the church. If a single person determines, you know, we live in such an immoral society. If a single person determines in their heart, I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to be sexually immoral. I'm not going to go out and party like the world does. You know what they'll say? They'll be like, man, what's wrong with If you have a single young man who says, I'm going to live right, just doesn't doesn't give in into immorality, people are going to say to him, what's wrong with you? What, is he gay? Is there something wrong with him? That's the world's mentality. Uh, You know, all you have to do, it, it amazes me how carnal much of the church is. It amazes me how carnal much of the world is around us. I'm not surprised by the world, but it surprises me with the church. Your beliefs and your teachings, if you choose to follow God with all of your heart, your beliefs and your teachings will be misrepresented as well. They'll say that because you do not participate in or agree with actions that are contrary to the word of God, that you're a fanatic. They'll accuse you of being hateful. They'll accuse you of being judgmental or narrow-minded. If you simply hold to biblical values... Our society and the people around us will will often accuse you of being a hateful person. What, do you think you're better than us? Just set your heart on God. Watch a young man or a young woman set their heart to follow after God, and people will look and say, what, are you better than us? Even on the job, whenever a man or a woman determines to follow the Lord, you'll often hear that type of accusation. They used to live like the world. They used to live like the devil. They give their life to Christ and they come to him. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, what, you're better than us now? Simply because you choose to follow the Lord? You've not said anything or done anything, but your very life at times will bring conviction to others. Are you willing to suffer the loss of friends? 
Paul experienced his friends deserting him. He said that Demas, because he loved the world, had deserted him. He goes on to say that in his first defense, no one came to his support, but everyone deserted him. Here is the reality. If you choose to partner with God, sometimes you will walk alone. It's amazing how friends and families, that if you choose to follow God, even people who were dear friends to you, cannot go where God is leading you. And so what they think is, they think that, that they're, again, that you think you're better than us, and that's the furthest thing from the truth oftentimes. But if you're going to follow God, there's people who will not be able to go where the Lord is leading you. There's friendships, there's relationships that end simply because for you to be devoted to the Lord, your very presence, your life, your witness, repulses them. It convicts them. Isn't that amazing? For those that are just our very existence brings conviction. Are you willing to suffer the loss of family acceptance? Matthew chapter 10, 34 says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against a father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The fourth thing I want to ask you is, are you willing to suffer the loss of income? The rich young ruler walked away from Jesus sad because he had great wealth. There's times that if you're going to follow God and you're going to enter into partnership with him, he is going to lead you. He's going to change the desires of your heart. He's going to change your priorities so that your priorities align with his. And his priorities may motivate you. The money that you've been saving for your boat it may end up turning around where God says, you know what? There's that missionary. I want you to help them. You've been saving. You've been dreaming about this vacation. And God says, the neighbor's down the street. He's out of work. And the Holy Spirit impresses on your heart that you're to give. The reality of it is, is if you choose to be a partner with Jesus, there's going to be times where some of the things on the job You won't be able to take every job that's offered. There'll be times that some of the things that you did to make money, you're no longer able to do that anymore. There'll be choices that you make that at times will cost you your income. But Matthew 6, 19 says this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The loss of income, the loss of money. The Bible says that we're not to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You know, there's a really amazing thing when you look at the effects of compound interest. I would encourage you just to go home sometime, get on the computer and look at if I put away this amount of money every month, what that will turn into. Also go home and when you borrow money, it's always good to look at an amortization schedule and let you see if I borrow this much money. And right now the interest rates are really low. So if you're borrowing money, that this is probably a better time than other times. But if you look at how much money you're going to pay back, 
over a 30-year period of time, you're like, man, my house is really it. I didn't know I was living in a $600,000 house. But that's the reality. When you borrow money with the interest rates high, it's crazy the amount of interest that you pay back. For many of you, years ago, you made a decision. You made a decision that you were going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at how the rewards are growing for you in eternity. Whenever you have set your heart on pleasing the Lord and investing in his kingdom and doing the things that matter for the kingdom of God, it's amazing how that grows. I believe that there's many people who are going to be astounded at the rewards that God has prepared for them. Finally, are you willing to suffer the loss of freedom or of life? Revelation 2.10 says, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will put some of you in prison and test you, and you'll suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I'll give you life as your victor's crown. So we talk about this suffering, and here's the question. Why should I be willing to suffer with Christ? Because the scripture teaches us that when you're willing to suffer with him, you'll also be glorified with him. You'll share in his glory. And if you'll turn to Romans 8, 17 and 18, it says this. Now, if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we also may share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What's he saying? He's saying there's no comparison between the sufferings that I'm experiencing now and the glory that God has in store for me. The second part of this, why do we persevere in suffering? Why do I continue on so that we don't lose heart? Because in the midst of suffering, it's easy for people to throw in the towel. In the midst of suffering, it's easy to question the goodness of the Lord. Is it worth all of this? When I signed up for this, I didn't know that this is what it was going to be. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And this is how he describes it. He says, For our light and momentary troubles... I don't know about yours, but there's some troubles that I know people going through that don't seem light, and they don't seem momentary. They seem like they're going on forever. They seem like they're going on and not ending. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what's unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what's unseen is eternal. Why do we persevere? Why should I endure suffering with Christ? Because I have a heavenly reward that nobody can take away. Nobody can touch it. It doesn't matter what happens around about me. I have an eternal reward and you have an eternal reward that no one can ever steal away from you. One of the things that concerns me is this, and we're going to have an altar time. And I want to pray for you. And we want to pray with you. It's this. It gets really confusing 
when I'm following God and I'm doing what I believe he asked me to do and all hell breaks loose against us. I thought if I followed God that my wife would, not, not me, I'm hypothetically. I thought if I followed God, my wife would always do the right thing. And the right thing would usually be what I thought was the right thing. Or my husband would always do the right thing. And the right thing is what I thought was the right thing. I thought if I follow God, my kids' hearts, if I raise them in church, pastor, their hearts will always be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If I prayed over them, if I, if I dedicated them as a baby, their hearts would be sensitive. I thought if I give my money and I obey what the scripture says about tithing, I'd always have a job. I didn't think the company would move out of town. I didn't think that my business would be hammered. You know, we live in a world today where there is incredible pressures on families. There's incredible pressures on people. Satan comes against, if you set your heart to know God, I want you to know, until then, as long as you're living carnally and you don't have a heart after God, you know, sometimes we can kind of just cruise. That's appealing to some people. We were talking about this in our prayer time before, and i just tell you the truth. If you set your heart to serve God, some of the greatest suffering you're going to experience is not because of you. I hate whenever I make my own suffering. That makes me feel worse. But can I tell you that if you partner with God and you love people and you care for people, that you're going to suffer when they suffer? Every one of you who are moms, every one of you who are dads, when your kids are in trouble, when your kids are in need, when your kids are sick, wouldn't you rather be sick than have them sick? Wouldn't you rather go through it? There's a, there's a suffering that you're going to experience And there's a suffering that you're going to experience because you choose to do the work of God. Because you've chose to follow God, there's a suffering that you're going to experience. Pastor Weed was here in the first service, and Pastor Rodney, years of ministry experience. If they would honestly open up their hearts, and they would speak to you frankly, I bet you both of them would have stories that they could tell you we got people like Frank and Jackie who have served the Lord for, for many years. I bet you they could tell you of the stories of suffering, the things that they went through, simply because they were faithful to God. Just because I, I've set my heart to know God, the enemy puts a target on your back, and he comes after you. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to think that it's useless to serve the Lord. He wants you to become, to be rendered ineffective. He wants you to doubt the goodness of the Lord. But my Bible says that he's faithful. My Bible says that he's able to deliver. My Bible says that whenever I'm connected with him, that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, what's really hard, and I talked about this last week, I believe I mentioned it. It's really hard whenever the enemy, when he humiliates us. I'm believing God. I'm believing God to answer in a particular way. I'm trying to be faithful to God. And it's like the enemy is able to come in and just wreck things. 
and you stand back, it's probably like whenever Moses threw down his rod and the other guys, the, the Egyptian guys, throw down theirs and theirs become snakes too. You know what I mean? It's like, what? What's happening? Whenever, whenever the enemy is able to torment us and come against us and wreak havoc. But I promise you this, that our present suffering does not compare to the glory that God has in store for us. Father, I pray that as we open up our altars, Lord, you know where people are coming from. Lord, you know what they're experiencing. You know what they face in their home today. You know what they're going home to. You know the news that they heard this week. You know the things that's coming down the pike, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that in the midst of it, that they would hold on to you. When they can't hold on any longer, Lord, I pray that they'd continue to endure because when we endure with you, when we suffer with you, we'll also reign with you. So, Father, as we open up these altars, I just believe that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to men and women's hearts today, that you're going to minister to them, you're going to touch them by the power of your Holy Spirit. We're going to lay our burdens down here at these altars, and we're going to find the grace that we have need of in Jesus' name.